This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Own it. You need to own it. If you're going to get real with God because you want to get real with people, you're going to have to look in the mirror and you're going to have to own it. Own what, Pastor Tommy? Well, you're about to find out. You need to own it. You need to take responsibility for it. And uh, you need to step up and say, I'm a big boy, I'm a big girl, and I own, I own it because I have to get real. I introduce myself as Tommy uh, to most people, but my birth name is Thomas Howard Brandon Jr. That's what I was named at birth. My wife is Denora. For a lot of people, because they struggle with that name, Denora, they call her D. Uh, I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget while we were dating. Uh, she was living in San Antonio, and she would come and visit me here at Calvary uh, from San Antonio. And I'll never forget, uh, she went home on a Sunday, and it was a Monday that I was with Bishop Ron. And Bishop Ron, of course, is the, uh, he is the root of a lot of my humor I love my pastor. And he said, let me just tell you, son, uh, that, 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 that young lady, okay? That young lady that I met yesterday, okay? The little girl from, from south of here, okay? San Antonio, uh, Flajora. Uh, 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 is, that, is, that, is that it? I said, uh, Denora, he said, Denora, can I just call her D? (laughs) Well, I'm Tommy, and she's D, and there's nothing really complicated about a Tommy or a D. But we thought, oh, let's just have fun with society when we name our kids. So we named our oldest Sela, S-E-L-A-H, Sela. And for all of the deep theologians in the room that understand and know that it's a word gleaned from the book of Psalms, uh, you could not be born in Fort Worth, Texas and be named Salah unless it was Brother Lyles' pronunciation. So we named her Sela. But what's funny is how, how it's spoken back to us from strangers. We always get tickled in waiting rooms. When you're waiting on the doctor or the dentist and the door opens and bless their heart, they do their dead level best. And we have brought this on ourselves. But I wrote down uh, some of the ones that we've heard through the years. And some of them, they, they, they just stop and they're... They didn't proof it. They, they opened the door excited to bring in the next patient and then they look down and they pause. And I know when they pause that long, it's my kid. It's, I know, it's the pause that tells me, oh, we need to get ready, it's you. How do you know, daddy? They're stumbled. They're, they're, they're really stumped right now. And they'll say, Sela, Salay. The Brandon child. <laughs> and of course, we know it was Selah. And then our youngest is even 
worse because when you look at it, it doesn't just sound out easily. Her name is Esme, and it's spelled E-S-M-E. Uh, with a little accent on the E, E-S-M-E, and uh, everyone has just really butchered that one. Uh, they'll just go, Esme? And we'll say, yeah, that's me. Esme, this is my daughter, uh, and we'll, we'll have fun with that one. And the worst, though, is when the pharmacy automatic computered rotocall comes in for her prescription to be ready. It says, this is calling the Brandon home from CVS Pharmacy and the prescription for, and then it pauses and it gives this computerized voice and it says, yes, and I always love to send it to voicemail and listen to it. When I'm having a rotten day, I'll just play that voicemail. And I'm like, bless a little heart. Then we have others. And, and, and I don't mean it offensively because some of them are in this service. But her name's not short for Esmeralda. We don't have an Esmeralda. Uh, it's just Esme. And it's just so funny how these little names get butchered through the years. But we brought it on ourselves, babe. Or I should say one of us did. And <clears throat> it's going to be a long day. But names, <laughs> names are funny sometimes. Names are um, interesting. They're, they're conversation pieces. Names are difficult at times, like what I've just said. And then there's easy ones like Tommy. And, but here's what I want to start out with, just laying down for you to where we can get into the word of the Lord. Uh, names are they're, they're unfortunately sometimes and then fortunately sometimes they're linked to our identity. To our identity. Because when you hear the name George, which is your cousin, you think things about George. Or when you talk about your son, when you talk about little Johnny, or when you talk about little Susie, you, you think things about that person because their name is linked to their identity and their identity is linked to their name and there was a young man in the Bible in the book of Genesis Genesis chapter 25 that had identity issues the moment the poor boy was born the moment he was born and when he was named, he found himself in a tight spot in a very difficult position for life because in the biblical era of, of the context of this story, the name actually defined you. It defined you. Selah, just to let you know, out of the book of Psalms, the definition of the word salah is to pause, reflect, and take in what one has just experienced or read or felt in poetry and writings. Esme is a French word that means beloved. Well, 
in this particular account of Scripture, Genesis 25, there's a set of twins being born. And one of which, as all twins, is born first. Everyone say first. And then, of course, there's the second that follows closely behind. Well, these two boys, Esau and Jacob, they started out, even in their mother's womb, being extremely competitive. They were so competitive, even in the womb, that when Esau was born first, Jacob came out immediately behind him, but he was a he done had a hold. In Louisiana, we'd say a holt. He had a holt on Esau's heel, and that baby Jacob was born and was named Jacob, meaning heel grabber. He was so close behind, he was trying to pull his brother back into second place. He didn't want to be born second. He wanted to be born first. And he had an attitude problem about this. He, I mean, just as a newborn infant, he wanted to be born first, but wasn't. So he came as close as he possibly could on the heels of Esau. So therefore was his name Jacob. Birth order was everything. If you were to enjoy the reading of this story in Genesis, you would find that birth order was everything because it came with, it provided these two awesome privileges and and opportunities, one of which was called the birthright. And the second thing of what we're going to deal with today was called the blessing. In your notes at Calvary FTW on your app, if, you want, if you're on there and looking at this on your smartphone, you'll see that the birthright meant that you would receive double the inheritance. Double the inheritance. If you're born first, you hit the lottery because you've got double the inheritance. But then what we're talking about today is if you're born first, you get the blessing of the Father on your life. And, and, and that meant God's hand of prosperity and multiplication for the rest of your life. It was the transfer of authority. It was the transfer of leadership in the family from the Father to the Son. So these, these two cats, Esau and Jacob, they were fighting from day one, but it has been established now Esau is first, heel grabber Jacob is second. And they started their journey into this family. And it was a dysfunctional family. There's some questions you ask publicly from the pulpit and then there's some that you don't. You never ask, are you from a dysfunctional family? Because every hand would be lifted. And we just wouldn't want that to happen in church. But the sermon is called Get Real. But these guys were born into a dysfunctional family. 
One that was so dysfunctional that there was favoritism showed in the home. There's no homes at Calvary Church that that takes place, I know. Um, There's no one that loves and treats one child differently than the other. Uh, We all would absolutely claim that that's uh, irresponsible and silly and crazy. And don't you dare But then you ask children, and they will claim that someone is treated differently. Uh, One sibling might think, well, she gets away with everything. And then the other one would say, he gets everything. And, And so it is with this home. But yet, it was even more so dysfunctional because it wasn't just the opinion of the children. The parents played favorites. Isaac. I think he kind of had an affection and a love and a respect for Esau a little bit more than he did Jacob. But Rebecca, I believe she had a love and a respect for Jacob more than she did Esau. And I'll show you that we see this as they grow and mature and develop. Isaac was on his deathbed. His body physically is depleting, deteriorating, and he knows that his passing is soon. But he's also lost his eyesight. He can't see too well. So he knows the timing. The timing is, well, I'm coming down to the end of my life, and it's time to transfer the blessing. It's time for me to transfer the authority And the leadership to my firstborn, my boy, Esau. It's time for me to call Esau to my bedside, have him kneel before me. And it's time for me to verbally, in the presence of his mom, put the blessing of the family upon him. Now Esau had some unique physical characteristics. Uh, He he was one that... uh, Loved the outdoors. He loved to hunt. He loved to fish. He was, a, he was an outdoorsman type young man. And he was kind of, uh, kind of a rough young man. I say young. They were actually older in their years when this developed. But he was, he was one that had a lot of uh, body hair on his arms and hands. He was, a, he was just an old rough, hard-working outdoors type. And... Isaac said to his son, Esau, I need you to go out and I need you to prepare some food. I need you to go hunt and create a family meal because something special is about to take place. We're going to put the family blessing on you. Well, when Rebekah knew that Esau was leaving to go honor his father's wish, she then (laughs) creates this dysfunctional plan behind Isaac's back. It's a shame that families operate this way, but very few, maybe not to this extreme degree. So don't, don't, don't shake your head no, because every family has some areas that just aren't firing on all cylinders. But this one's an extreme example because Rebecca goes and gets Jacob and she says, listen, I need to whisper something in your ear. Your father, he's asked Esau to go out. He's, he's out hunting to bring back some food to prepare a meal for the blessing. 
the blessing? You're talking about the, the blessing? Yeah, the blessing. It's about to happen. And I don't want Esau to have this blessing. I believe that you're meant to have this blessing. But I would love that, Mom. What do we need to do? She goes, well, you need to put some animal hide and fur on your hands. Your, your daddy can't see a thing. The old boy's blind as a bat. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to bring you in and we're going to sneak you down at the bedside. And all you have to do is if you'll just do what I'm telling you to do, when he asks, who are you? You just respond that you're Esau. But I'm not Esau. I understand. But if you're going to receive this blessing, you better tell him that you're Esau. And this plan of dysfunction develops and Jacob goes out and prepares his artificial garment and he comes in and kneels at the bedside of his father and his father smells the food. He knows the presence of the son is there and Isaac reaches out and feels the make-believe artificial costume of his second-born son, but he's believing that it's his first. And the father says, who are you? And Jacob twisted his voice and with fear and trembling chose to do what his mother, or if you will, what sin, or if you will, what peer pressure, however you want to put it, what he felt led to do, and he spoke a lie to his father. And he said, I'm, I'm Esau. And upon that spoken word, that was a lie, his father gave him the blessing. And it wasn't soon thereafter that the real Esau came storming into the house and partly excited about the blessing that was about to happen. But when he put it all together, anger rose up within him to the point that he was gonna kill his brother. This boy has been reaching for his blessing since the day they were born. This boy has been on his heels since the day they were born. This boy's always been in the shadows trying to be something that he wasn't since the day they were born. And now it's gotten the best of him. And now Esau, the oldest, the one that should have had the blessing with his own eyes, witnesses this unbelievable, terrible act of an actor, of a pretender. And he instantly has anger flash. And Jacob, still dressed in Esau's clothes, he runs and he doesn't stop running. Some of you know the story, but some of you may not be familiar with its true details do you realize that Jacob ran for 21 years? For 21 years he ran. And all 21 years he was living a lie. 
Now, now I'm going to put a little bit of 2016 into the story. He had money in his pocket. He had the best of clothing. He was strutting around as though he was something special. But yet in his heart, he was full of fear. He was lonely. He was broken. Because he knew that he wasn't being real. He was a put on. He was a fake. He was a pretender. He was a poser. He was an actor. An actor that won the Grammy with his father's blessing. Is everybody tracking with me this morning? So while on the run for 21 years, Esau spent a lifetime looking over his shoulder to see what Jacob was up to. But now for 21 years, Jacob's looking over his shoulder to see if Esau's there to take him out. He had an artificial, a fake transfer of authority and leadership. And he was trying to have God bless somebody he was pretending to be. Now, I want to pause in this and, and I want to talk about something maybe that you never saw coming because when I was preparing this, I couldn't get away from this thought. I'm not going to call any mother and father in the room a, a Rebecca type, but at the same time, I want to talk to us, to all of our parents here today. To all of our parents in the room, we have been given, uh, Denora and I have been in a parenting small group now for uh, this entire fall semester. So this, this topic, I can't seem to get away from this parenting topic because I'm in the middle of it. I'm trying to learn. I'm a student right now. I am not a teacher of parenting. I'm trying to learn, 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 learn. But one thing I am learning and one thing you can learn from this scripture, everybody listen to me. We have an insight a God-given insight to our children. God has given us an insight to our children. It's on us as moms and dads. And I'm gonna even talk to some grandparents that if you're, if you're a caregiver to some grandchildren, you're, you play a heavy role maybe one day a week, three days a week, and you're a caregiver to some of your grandchildren or even aunts and uncles in the rooms. If, you're, if you've got a major role to play in a child's life, you can either propel them and bless them and what God wants for their life or you can make the critical mistake at manipulating and taking advantage of your role and position and literally steer them in a direction of what you think they should be. One thing I've learned in my parenting uh, small group this semester that probably has impacted me and Denora more than anything, and that is, is that our children, they don't have to be good at everything. It's our jobs to find that one thing that they're good at and help them be the best at it. There's some kids are going to be incredible academics. There's some kids are going to be incredible athletes. There's some kids that are incredibly social. There's some kids that are incredibly relational one-on-one. -on -one. It's our job to find where they shine and, and push and propel and encourage and bless them in that direction, meaning 
their purpose, not our purpose for them. There's nothing worse. There's nothing more embarrassing than being in the gym or in the ball field or in the stands watching a dad doing his dead level best to make that boy or that girl the athlete that the dad never was but wanted so badly to be. There's nothing more embarrassing than the C average parent trying to force his kid to be an A plus student when the dad still thinks three plus three is nine. He's convinced of it. It's not our place in rearing up these beautiful blessings of God to get involved in, in making them what we think and developing into them in what we think. We have an insight if we're sober in our thinking, if we're spiritual in our approach, if we're prayerfully considerate and sensitive, God will reveal to us where they're supposed to be going and then it's our stewardship position to encourage and bless and open the door and, 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 and provide the means and to provide the support system and the network to get them on the path that God wants them to be on. And somebody say amen. Rebecca messed it up. Rebecca wanted something for Jacob that never was intended for Jacob. within the historical context. So she thinks she's gonna get involved. Well, with her manipulation, she took a heel grabber at birth by the name of Jacob and even deep-rooted a second and third and fourth definition of his name into being a deceiver, a con artist, two-faced, cheater, Lacking character. Would he have dealt with that and dabbled with that in his own? Maybe. You could see it in him. But there's a lot of things that are in our children that we don't need to put gas on that fire. We need to put water on that fire. Can I preach a little while this morning? If you see a child slanting in a certain direction, don't pour gas in that direction if it's not the direction of health and, and, and character and, and honesty and goodness of the word of the Lord. Our job is to steer that child in the ways of God. Somebody say amen. So Jacob goes along with his mom's plan. That's what we all want, right? We want our, kid to, uh, our, our kids to follow our, what, what we tell them to do. Well, Jacob does and, and Jacob Scams his brother and he suffers the consequences. Isaac blesses Jacob. And now for 21 years, he's running around pretending. God can't bless who you pretend to be. And in this culture that we're in, this appearance-driven comparison-crazed culture. This is something that we're gonna have to get a hold of and deal with in the church of the current era that we're living. 
God cannot bless who you're pretending to be. Everyone say, get real. You gotta get real with God. Until you get real with yourself and until you get real with God, you can't get real with people. And no one wants to do life with someone they don't know who it is that they're gonna be doing life with. So Jacob, after 21 years of anxiety and 21 years of pain and turmoil, he finally gives in to the pressure. And Jacob decides to, he wants to make it right with his brother. He wasn't going to let his brother find him. He was going to go find his brother and he was going to make things right with his brother. And that was the first step, the first step. He was going to go make it right with his brother. And he finds himself on his way, drawing sleepy. So he puts his camp up beside a stream of water. And there in the midnight hour, The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 32 that there in the midnight hour, all alone by himself, a stranger appears and grabs him. Jacob has spent his whole life grabbing after things that were not his. But now a stranger grabs a hold of him and and they start struggling with each other, wrestling with each other, fighting with one another. And further study would show that this was a manifestation of God. And God has got a hold of Jacob. Jacob, unbeknownst to him, has got a hold of God. Can I just tell somebody, good things happen when you get a hold of God and God gets a hold of you. Can I get a better amen than that? Good things happen when you get a hold of God and when God gets a hold of you. And they're struggling, they're going back and forth and Jacob's not quite sure what's happening. God knows exactly what's happening and and Jacob, something rises up within him and he starts feeling better. He starts thinking, man, I'm feeling a release of this pressure I've been carrying for 21 years this identity crisis that I'm in. I'm not who I'm saying that I am. And for some odd reason, this spirit is pulling it out of me and I'm feeling a release. And he's starting to feel the pressure and the burden that he's been living under kind of relieving itself. And all of a sudden he tells this spirit of God, I'm not letting go of you until you just bless me. Until I get everything that you have for me, I'm not letting go. And here comes the question of the day. God asked Jacob the same question that Jacob's father asked him 21 years earlier. And he failed the test 21 years earlier at the bedside of Isaac. And God says, who are you? What is your name? And he owned it. 
for the first time. He owned it. I'm preaching to every single person in this room this morning that if you've been carrying any type of pressure and guilt and shame and condemnation and conviction, if you've been carrying any kind of inner turmoil and, and when you look yourself in the mirror, you, you, you try your best to walk as a man and a woman of faith, but you know you're trapped in fear. When you look into the eyes of that family of yours and you want so desperately to, to be a part of that family and to, and to be that father and that mother or that husband and that wife, but down deep you know that there's a, there's a bitterness in you or there's an unforgiveness in you or, 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 or there's something you need to be delivered from that's holding you back from being the, the real you. Can I just preach to somebody on this second Sunday in November something spiritual and powerful happens when you come clean and you own it. And Jacob was face to face with God and he said what he could not say ever before. I'm, I am Jacob. That's right, I'm, I'm Jacob. That's right, I'm Jacob. I'm, I'm the deceitful, conning, scamming, scheming, lying, pretending actor. I'm Jacob. And the weight of the world fell off of him. What he has been feeling ever since in the womb, ever since he was old enough to crawl, ever since he was old enough to walk and run and talk and obey his mom. And he fell into the trap that this world and this culture and sin wants every single one of us to fall into. And that is to being something that we're really not and expecting God to be okay with it and expecting God to bless it. You will never have the full blessing of God on your life until you get real and own the fact that you need a savior, that you need a Lord, that you need forgiveness, you need his grace, you need his mercy until you look yourself in the mirror and take off all the makeup, take off the mask, take off that costume, take off the outfit that's not you and get real with God and say, I am, I am, I'm Jacob. And God will do for you what he did for Jacob he didn't string him on. He didn't drag him through the mud. He didn't make him crawl on his hands and feet. He didn't run him through the ringer. He didn't set different steps and hoops that he had to jump through and steps to climb. God said, from this point on, because you've gotten real with me and because you've owned it with me, because in my presence, you didn't put on like you've been putting on with everyone else, I now change your name to Israel. You will no longer be known as that pretender. You're going to be a prince with me. You're going to be blessed by me. I'm going to change your name. 
And I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change your character. I'm going to change your personality. I'm going to change everything from in you. And from the inside out, you're going to be something completely different. When you get the blessing of God on your life, you can't stay who you've always been. He wanted to go make things right with his brother. Man, there's so much here. Holy macaroni. It starts with this. How are they going to know that you have the love of God in you? By you showing love to your brother. He wanted to make things right with his brother. And little did he know on his way to make things right with his brother, God said, I see your heart. I see the real you. You haven't told it yet. You haven't revealed it yet, but I see it. You've just made the first step to making things right with everybody, with me, with yourself, and with your brother. And God changed him right there at that brook, right there at that stream. Everything changed for Jacob. And then Jacob continued and he was walking in to take the beating of his life. He had already accepted the fact, I'm fixing to get beat down like the second born as I am. And the Bible tells us whenever he showed up in Genesis chapter 33 and he sees Esau, Esau ran to his brother fell on his shoulder and wept and everything was all right only because Jacob got real and he owned the fact that he had been pretending and when he owned it my brothers and sisters God owned him and he blessed him and everything changed for I want to close this morning with this. If our prayer partners would come quickly, make themselves ready. Jacob was still Jacob. <laughs> Listen, everybody. Jacob was still Jacob. But in God's eyes, he was Israel. Jacob still had weaknesses. But in God, he was strong. I just have a few minutes. I've kind of gone a little too long today. Just bear with me for a second. You know, growing up in the, in the small town that I grew up in, knowing everybody, my family was, had deep roots there. We were established there. So I went through kindergarten all the way through senior high school with the same kids. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everything about everybody. You couldn't talk about anybody because everybody was related to everybody. Sometimes you couldn't ask certain people out because you'd find out you was related to them. It was, it was rough. And till this day, till this day, one thing I have to live with just being as open and honest with my family as I can be today. One thing I still have to live with are the funny little emails or the funny little text messages and they go something along these lines. Hey man, I ran into 
so-and-so the other day back from school. You remember them? Yeah, how are they? They're blown away that you're a preacher. <laughs> and my way of coping and dealing with it, of course, is I just self-medicate it by laughing and go, man, I'm blown away too. But down deep, down deep, that kind of stuff affects you. Do my best not to get emotional here, but it affects you. Because when you just get to praying and you start preparing for sermons, you realize this is crazy. God, you know me. You know me. You know, oh, you know me oh so well. Why would you in a million years call me to speak for you? But everything changes when you just own it. And you just own up to the fact you know, I spend my life, and this is not a sob story, and I'm not asking for sympathy, but trying to bless you and your life with my life. Spent my life eating crow, kissing rear ends, apologizing. I'm sorry for the way I looked at you. Didn't know I looked at you that way. I'm sorry I didn't reply to your text. I got a little distracted. Sorry I said that in that sermon. It wasn't about you. That was three months ago that we talked about that. And, it just, I, I, and then you got to get up and do it all again. Then you got to read that email. Sorry I wore that, that it offended you, that I was wearing that. Aren't you glad I was wearing something? It's a win. It's dressed. But when you look to God and say, God, you know me. You know. There's times that I struggle with this. God, you know me. Denora knows me. My mom and daddy know me. Those 5,000 toothless wonders from Louisiana know me. But God, here I am. You called me. You called me. In all of my imperfections, you called me. You called me when I was born cleft palate and couldn't even talk. Still get intimidated with it sometimes. But you called me. Why? Why would you do it, man? Some of you need to get real with God because all the stuff that you know about you that you're trying to pull over on everybody else is keeping you from the real blessings of God. You're pretending. God knows you already. He knows you. Why don't you get real with God? Get real with all of us. Yeah, you'll probably lose some folks over it. You'll probably lose friendships over it if you really were honest. But oh, you sleep good at night. You sleep good at night 
when you have a few good people in your world that knows the real you and they're okay with that. One thing I dream of in this church is a church that can be okay with a bunch of real people. It's nothing worse. It's nothing, nothing more foul and awful than a fake church. Be yourselves. And if brother so-and-so don't like it, hook it. And if sister so-and-so doesn't like it, move on. Scoot three pews over and outlive them. Because I can tell you right now, what God wants to bless is not a fake Christian. What God wants to bless is a real man and woman that says, I need a Savior. I need a Lord in my life. I need grace and mercy in my life. And I'm going to do my dead level best to please God. I'm not going to frustrate His grace. I'm not going to abuse it. Grace is not permission of sin. Grace is the eye-opening awareness that I'm not perfect. And that I need God in my life. And Jacob said, I'm not leaving till you bless me. Well, who are you? I'm Jacob. And God blessed him. Stand to your feet. I'm going to open up our prayer time for a plethora of needs. If you need prayer today for any reason at all, if you have a procedure or surgeries, if you have anything going on today, I want to be able to pray for you. But in the same time, if you just, if you want to make things right with God today, I want to pray for you. Bow your heads. Lord, I thank you for the, the awkward heaviness that I feel. I thank you for it. I don't like it, bless these in this room today. If there's anyone today that needs prayer, come now. Won't you step out right now? Let's not belabor too long. I've, I've preached too long. If you need prayer, come quickly. Lord, I just bless these today. I bless every husband. There are husbands in this room, Lord, that before this week is over, they need to make things right. They need to ask the forgiveness they need to ask. There are wives that need to ask forgiveness. There's there's even parents that need to make things right with their children. Father, there are young people and students that need to make it right with their parents. There's Christians that need to make it right with their brothers and sisters. We just need to get real with you today. We own the fact, God, that we're not perfect. We own up to the fact that we don't have it all together. But we're trying. I ask you to bless this congregation in Jesus' name. Lift your voice and let's sing it together this morning.
Joy.